Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Hey, today is a great day because we are back with Matt Brown, and he is back in Uganda. This is season two of the Uganda Startup Series we've been doing, and we're excited to hear from Matt today and see what's going on. It's been a bit. They've had some pretty exciting developments, a lot of challenges, and it's a good time to circle back and get the latest from them. You know, the Browns have really invested for the long haul in seeing this transformational effort happen in Uganda with this clean water project, relocating their family, they've gone all in on this redemptive entrepreneurial effort. So Matt, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be back. Yeah, man, give us an update. What's the latest? People haven't heard from you guys in a while. Yeah, um, so we started drilling our big borehole finally. Uh, Nice. you know, kind of a long process to get to that point. And, uh, yeah, we started that about a month ago and finally just finished, <laughs> which is very, uh, abnormal for a, the drilling of a borehole. Okay. Um, it usually take two to three days. Well, so. I heard there was some, un, the, some predictably unpredictable moments, something to do with a fire. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well that, and that's only one of the things that oh, slowed it man. down, but it was the most dramatic by far. Yeah. One of the, uh, drilling rigs there i mean there are like several of these massive trucks with one of them has a huge compressor on the back and one has the actual drilling rig you know the one with the compressor actually caught fire and completely burned down to a crisp oh my goodness um, during like just huge flames and smoke you know billowing into the sky um yeah it was (laughs) i hope this wasn't a rental uh, were you guys on the hook for the burning truck no, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no way. Uh, yeah, that's totally on them. And uh, and I heard, I found out later what caused it. They overworked their compressor on purpose. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, the owner pushed the owner of the company. It's a pretty big company. Yeah, pushed his guys to just keep running it and running it. And they were saying, "Hey, it's overheating. It's overheating. We need to fix it." And he's like, "Nah, just keep pushing it." Um, Oh, man. <laughs> and so then it finally burned down completely. <laughs> oh, so, you know, oh, well, he has insurance for this kind of stuff. Apparently I messaged him and said, Hey buddy, your uh, truck burned down. Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> he just messaged back. He was like, it's fine. I was it's like, fine. all right, cool, man. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you have insurance. Um, wow. or I hope anyways, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, the drilling's finally finished, uh, just, as of a few days ago. Now, did you guys hit water? What's the deal with this now? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We hit water. Um, we got a pretty good amount of water. Um, and, uh, so enough to be able to get started. We'll probably need to drill at least one more borehole in the future, uh, nearby, which you can drill boreholes fairly close. To each other and okay. hit completely different pockets of water okay. on the ground. So um, we didn't get to the target amount of water we were wanting to supply the entire community of 30,000 people. Uh, right. But actually, it's kind of a relief 
because if we had been able to tap as much water as we needed for the entire community, we would have had to get an extremely large pump, and which is very expensive, which would then require a huge solar system, which would be insanely expensive. So um, it would have been a struggle to pull that off. Okay. Um, and most of our residents are not within the community. It's not going to be 30,000 sure. within our radius. So it's probably going to be a lot less than that concentrated around us. And we can gradually expand um, and build onto our system. So all that to say, um, we can supply several thousand people with what we hit so far. And that's plenty to get started building a system, oh, um, which so we're good. really excited about. That's so good. You know, for this audience, it's been a while since we introduced your whole project. So can yeah. you can you circle back around? Because we have a lot of new listeners. Can you circle back sure. around to uh, give us a little synopsis of, you know, what you guys are doing, what you call the organization, mm-hmm. the company, kind of the vision backstory a little bit to do the yeah. quick catch up so that this uh, the new listeners can yep. really know what you're trying to do. Yeah, so uh, we run a nonprofit that stateside is called Lilies in the Field. Um, and uh, it's the purpose is to get water uh, to people in remote areas here in Uganda and uh, specifically villages, which is most of the country really and not just dropping boreholes or wells but actually doing it in a way that generates enough revenue to sustain the wells because the problem we've seen over the years is the wells will break down and there's no money for maintenance or fixing and so over half of all the wells drilled in africa break down and never get fixed wow. because there's no there's no plan in place to keep money coming in you know that's why you have a utility system in the states right so we're right. kind of basically trying to start little miniature utility systems for these remote villages where the government has absolutely no involvement in infrastructure so yeah know, people and, like us have to step in so and you're something. doing so, like an eco yeah. like a like a business or marketplace ecosystem vision right so you're starting a company yep. that would provide employment and services and you know, so it's more, uh-huh. it's more than people coming to you to get water. Uh, you've got a whole plan, yeah. right, for how to cultivate this? Yeah, we'd like to. Uh, I mean, we already have, I guess, three employees up till now. Um, and uh, we'd like to, you know, have a team of people that we employ that we can kind of pour into them and their families. It's been really cool even just starting out, uh, just being able to um, – have some involvement in our employees' families' lives and kind of, anyway, that's a separate story. But um, yeah, and then with the community, we feel like with water, um, it being so incredibly uh, critical to, you know, life on earth yeah. and people struggling so much, especially in Uganda, um, to get water. I mean, it's such a huge uh, boon to any community that gets it. And I mean, we've been just, welcomed with such open arms by local officials and townspeople who are just like, please come. Yes, we desperately need this. And so once we get set up and going, we kind of foresee this as a foot in the door scenario where, okay, I mean, everyone needs water and we'll be providing water for everyone. Right. So hopefully that gives us kind of a way into people's, you know, homes to try and find what ways we can, cultivate more than just water uh, development in their lives, you know, sure. um, any community outreach sort of, you know, ideas, 
Um, we just had lots of little kind of visions around that, but nothing's fleshed out yet because we're trying to get the water <laughs> going right. first. But yeah, we'd love to make it a more kind of holistic community um, development approach spiritually as well as physically, you know, yeah, in whatever way that works out. Now, are you guys still considering doing the delivery service side of this? Have you changed tactics or how's that looking? Yep. So we've got um, kind of a two-part uh, model we're looking at pursuing for distributing. So we're drilling more for water and then we're distributing it. That's the second part of not just actually getting a water source for the town, but also right. getting it to people, uh, getting it, making it more accessible to people because that's also a big issue is people struggling to be able to get to the water sources. So we are looking at delivering water on uh, like dirt bikes, basically, uh, that, which are everywhere here and people deliver everything. It's like the that. water so, Uber, right? Um, Uber eats for water. What's that? It's like Uber eats for water, right? You call and yeah, it's delivered. Basically, basically. <laughs> yep. Um, same idea, honestly. And amazingly enough, people can have no water and yet they still have a tiny little solar panel and a phone. Right. So they, everyone has mobile money is what they call it, which is just money loaded on your phone. So, um, so people could order the water to be delivered, um, which we feel like that would target businesses and shops and hotels, which in this town, there's several hundred of those it's really tiny, not what you would imagine in right. the West, but like a little hole in the wall, you know, but there's loads of those. So we feel like they would benefit because they can't leave their shop to go get sure. water. So they're yeah. paying exorbitant prices for people to go get it for them right now. And we could offer it at a fraction of the price. Um, and then our second big push for most of the residents is going to be what's called a water tap um, or a water kiosk, which is just like this little kind of robust device that uh, people can come up to, swipe a little uh, battery, no battery needed chip, and it distributes water out of a tap that's locked up there. Fantastic. Um, you know, lots around that, theft prevention, because that's rampant, you know, uh, it's battery issues. You know, I mean, anyway, it's really off grid. That's what I'm sure. trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's been tested in East Africa um, over the last several years, been designed by a German company, and it's look, uh, we've read a lot of literature on it and it looks really great and worked really well for communities here in East Africa. People love it. Really um, simple, easy to read, no words involved, only symbols. So easy to educate people on how to use it. Um, and uh, it would allow us to put water taps throughout the town for people to access water close to their home Okay. and um, make it so, you know, people aren't congregating it single water point and waiting six to eight hours a day to get their water needs met wow. which is the average wow. uh, right now what a game changer for these folks you know if this if this model this whole uh, approach this ecosystem proves out works well do you anticipate this being something you could replicate in other towns or regions or uh, even teach other people how to do this or what's your vision beyond your current town your experiment location yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, that's starting off. That's what we thought, you know, well, if this worked, uh, then it'd be great to be able to replicate it, um, other places. And honestly, we've had over the last few years as we've been kind of ramping up and just getting started and sharing the vision, we've had several other communities and towns, much bigger ones, even who also have, you know, 
very poor water access, come to us and say, hey, why don't you bring your water system, this idea to our town? And some have even said, why don't you come to our town instead of that town? That town, no one wants to go to that town. Like, <laughs> don't waste your time. <laughs> we're like, okay, well, we'll we'll see about that. You know, God's made it clear we're supposed to be here first. This town is really struggling. Um, and uh, honestly, <laughs> we've kind of looked at it like, well, look, if it works in Karuma, which is the town we're working in, it can definitely work anywhere because Karuma is a tough town. Yeah. Um, very tough. Bad road infrastructure, which makes delivery difficult tons of corruption at the local level theft is rampant i mean so you know other towns would be a breeze to implement uh, to uh, execute this vision compared to karuma so we're like wait if it works here it can definitely work anywhere else you know yeah you'll have a proven product and approach at that point yeah if you're if you're able to yeah. be successful in that location what an interesting set of events man and uh so the drilling went well coming full circle here the drilling went well that was a major milestone yeah. right because you were you were really wanting uh-huh. to see even if you hit water and if you could do this so what comes next like what what's the next phase yeah just really developing the uh the site and the water system we have to build a water tank um you know for people not familiar with water systems and I, i'm not an expert i'm just learning this <laughs> as i go um, you know, like every town in America has a huge water or just about has a huge water tank on a hilltop somewhere right. or hidden in the hills where I'm from, Fayetteville, Arkansas, it's like tucked away up in the hills. You can't really see it or else maybe it's just on a tall tower. If you're in right. Kansas, for example, everything's flat. So we and you have to do that to have water pressure. So the water comes out of the pipes faster than a trickle. Um, and uh so we in storage as well um so we have to build a water tank up on a tower to get pressure to all of these taps at different elevations throughout the town um that'll be a big project getting that all set up we have you know a contractor in place that we're working with um and then we have to actually install the pump um so we drilled the hole and it's capped off and like protected right now but now that we know how much water we can get that tells us what size pump we can go by. And then that tells us what size generator we need, how right. much solar power, you know, so kind of, it's just a cascade of events that all have hinged on this drilling. So now that we've drilled, we can say, okay, now we can, we can go from here and start selecting the pump and all the other stuff. So this is right. kind of going to be a one step at a time thing, but yeah, the water tank, solar system, the pump, we've got to install that. Um, so it's still a little ways off before we get ready to start distributing water. Yeah, but you're making progress. It's a, it's no, not a, a light lift what you guys are trying to accomplish in this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was, a while. If yep. it was easy, it would have been done, right, <laughs> at this point? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, as you, com- as you look back and you compare your first phase of, on the ground with this project, kind of the real startup startup phase and then now more the implementation phase you know what's what's noticeably different for you guys in this between these two phases like because a lot of people would hear this and they're like yeah i could do that i'm going to jump in on that startup phase but then you know obviously the startup phase has its own set of challenges and deterrence Mm -hmm. but then this more implementation phase has got to have its own unique set of challenges so you know what does it look like between these two phases for a redemptive entrepreneur yeah, um, man, I would say, that, yeah, honestly, the startup phase is probably the hardest okay. <laughs> for for our situation, sure. just in terms of 
you when you're starting up you're developing the vision and trying to figure out something you know that's uh that's going to be viable and uh so that just developing that vision first of all is difficult then getting funding that right. you know um that's obviously a huge part because i mean we're you know we have funding at this point um and so it's great because we can go forward with the plan and just kind of go step by step without but you Getting that funding in the startup phase is difficult. Also, personnel, you know, um, uh, just kind of doing it all on your own is where you're going to be when you're at the startup phase. Right. And that's really difficult, especially in a third world context where you're not familiar with the terrain and the environment um, and the customs, and, you know, just so many little things. You, it's hard to even place your finger on sometimes all the little things that can be barriers and can slow you down. Um, when you're trying, when you're, when you don't have people to help out with the vision. So now at this point we have staff, we have personnel, you know, uh, a few anyways, so far. And, uh, that right. is a huge, uh, just a huge relief and, uh, it just massively increases our effectiveness and, uh, just how much we can get done, you know, cause, um, yeah, by myself, I can only do so many things in a day. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, I would say at this point, probably the biggest challenges are just um, being able to adjust on the fly. Because, you know, you start out with, because we've changed our model several times. Okay. Um, in the beginning, major, you know, I mean, we kind of started pursuing this vision about eight years ago, just trying to figure out what would work. And we tried really small demo projects and completely different. It went a completely different direction as we were trying to get to this point, right? So what we, wow. the model we have today is, looks very different than what it used to. But um, being able to adjust kind of as we're going along and just tweak our vision. So it's, it's been smaller tweaks in the last couple of years and more fine-tuned adjustments. But I think, um, yeah, adjusting to uh, just difficulties and um, kind of taking things in stride is maybe, um, and I'm, I'm saying that from a humanistic perspective, obviously from a redeemed perspective, what I would really say is listening to God about what to do next and keeping things open. You know, say, hey God, how do you want this next step to look? You know, um, and something major happens like the truck burning down and it taking a month instead of three days being able to pray through that and just give it up to God as his vision and not my vision, his projects and not mine. That's, I'd say, helped me to not get caught up in um, kind of the typical, uh, what is it, outcome approached, outcome oriented um, nature that maybe I would want to um, be living in more, which is, you know, hey, we're not seeing results, you know, we're not getting things done. And, yeah, just kind of letting his timing rule has really helped the burden not be so. Yeah, amen um, to that. Not really be that bad at all, honestly. Wow, that's encouraging. You know, and you mentioned, you know, opportunities and impact, even with your employees. You know, how does that look as you start to hire and you're working with employees and managers? You know, how do you yeah. interact with them in a redemptive way in your context? Yeah, um, so with um, our director... Primarily, I interact with him the most, um, and our other two employees so far are, are security guards. Um, they watch over the site, keep an eye on things, 
in Kuruma. Um, but since we live in the capital, Kampala, I don't get to see it very often. Um, but actually, with them, I would say it's been really cool because we've been able to um, first gauge how much they would get paid and then be able to pay them a little bit more than that. Um, and also, we've been able to provide a couple of just small to us, but big to them, extra things for their family to make sure. I mean, like mosquito nets, for example, malaria is rampant, right. especially outside the capital. You know, um, two weeks back, uh, our one of our security guards got malaria. It's super common, obviously brutal. I mean, it's worse than the flu. It's really oh, absolutely. terrible, actually. But yeah, I've it's had so friends common, die from you know, that. it's just yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah, he got malaria. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we were able to treat him. And actually, that was his second time getting it. We were able to, you know, pay for his treatment and make sure he was covered so he could stay home. We had another security guard. Just being able to kind of be a redemptive, or just a, I don't, I don't know what the word would be, but just a, a godly employer, I guess, and not, you know, make um, tight-fisted decisions as the priority, you know. Um, yeah, but absolutely. you know, we were able to uh, then. I mean, it just struck me like, hey, do these guys have mosquito nets, you know, at their house? to sleep under you know and uh, so our director who is i love being able to just have him be the face of the company you know so i kind of communicate through him like hey joshua you know can you talk to your guys there and say hey does your family have mosquito nets do they need that and um they were missing a couple for their kids well first they were like yeah the security guards have them i said well what about their kids and their wives they said well no they don't have them i said or their kids anyways so well let's get them some you know and so we're able to do that and just, you know, again, a small thing for us, but for them, you know, they get malaria so many times a year for years and years. And just that one little thing, they can't afford even a mosquito net because um, that's such a big chunk. It's just been really, uh, yeah, cool to be able to just kind of find those ways that we can provide some tangible benefit to their family. Um, and that's just one example. There have been several others I won't sure but, um, well it's so cool yeah. because you're creating like a compare and contrast between how uh, business and employment and community works in the kingdom and how it works in a godless uh, kingdom of darkness informed way so the way you're your way you're working with your people is just creating such a such a great learning point for them an example and attraction into the kingdom of god so it's really it's really multi-level what you guys are doing i love that and um mm -hmm. You know, have you, in, you know, in this process, have you identified maybe a couple of keys that other uh, redemptive entrepreneurs could really benefit from? Just one or two things that you feel like, man, if you could just, if you get this or you do this, this makes all the difference. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say for those of us out there who are family members or in terms, you know, heads of households husbands, fathers, right. I would say the most important thing is to not forget your first mission, which is your family, your wife. And then if you have kids, your kids, especially, um, because God really values that as your first mission. Um, yeah, amen to that. To them. so not because it can be easy to get caught up and, you know, well, if I did more, then we can move faster and we could see more results. And that could just go on, you know, endlessly. So, um, and then the, you know, I've just seen that so often and I have struggled with that some too, um, where the family comes second, 
and I saw this all growing up too. And, um, you know, the family comes second and the quote unquote mission comes first. And I would say it's the opposite. Your family comes first. And if, if, if this is really God's vision, whatever business or idea you're trying to execute, then it's not going to dominate your family and push them down as less than. They're wow, still gonna, really they good. still should keep the, they still should be in the spotlight if this is really God's vision and not just your own vision. And so I would say, yeah, focusing on family is the most important because it doesn't matter where you go, what geography you're in, you know, what business idea you're trying to execute. That never changes if you're a family man, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's, I would say that's been really awesome to, just lean into that and not let kind of the natural tendencies of our <laughs> Western mindset to take over um, to really put my family first. Um, that's been really, you know, everything goes a little slower that way. And that's fine because I just ask God about it. I'm like, Hey God, you know, what should I do today? Each day, you know, um, does my family need me a little bit more for this today? Do I need to let that go a little slower so that I can be, you know, helping out with this difficult situation, especially when you've got young kids and I have young kids right now. So um, anyway, I would say that number one thing above all would be what I would, you know, encourage people to keep in mind. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know, it kind of goes on to what else I was thinking about asking you on was like, you know, how do you, how do you manage spiritually? Like, how do you self-manage spiritually and then kind of pass to your family or your environment along you know i talk a lot about managing your metron but you got it within mm. your metron you got your family your projects your vision relationships business concerns but you got to pastor that spiritually so what does that look like for you like how do you spiritually govern that space like the people, places, and spaces that God's given you at this season. You know, do you have a do you have a daily? Do you have a general mindset? Like, what is that? How does that work for you? Yeah, um, I would say just cultivating a practice, a daily practice of listening to God's voice throughout the day is probably the most important thing, or the most meaningful practice I've that God's led sure. me to cultivate over the last few years. Yeah. Um, because I struggle with routine, especially as we change and we have had so much transition, you know, every time we have a transition, it seems to throw off those, you know, normal routines. And so I would say um, the one thing that has been able to kind of carry me through, you know, no matter what's happening, if we're not getting any sleep because we have a newborn or we're, you know, kids are sick or we are under in jet lag, you know, or, traveling, you know, those things are constantly happening, which throw off routines. Um, there's no reason I can't still talk to God throughout the day. And when something's coming up, just put it to him. So, but the hardest part about that is getting used to doing that and practicing it and uh, making it a habit and not just kind of an idea that's out there, you know? Um, and so yeah, I would totally. say cultivating that has been really important for me. Um, and then also having people that I'm being sharpened against has been really helpful. And, you know, I can't always control my circumstances if I have access to those people or not, you know, other guys especially. Um, but I've been really grateful when I'm back in the States, I have some guys I can, we can kind of, you know, sharpen 
each other on and then here I've been able to reach out and meet some guys and kind of we started having a, a meeting together weekly of just praying together and you know iron sharpening iron and um, I think that that's helped me a lot too because you get this echo chamber of if, if you don't have much external input spiritually um, right right it's easy to kind of blind yourself to certain things and um, even just being able to confess something or just share something that's been difficult and you know say it out loud to someone <laughs> is really great so i think having other right. people or seeking out other healthy people is um really important to not be isolated and um allow myself to become blinded to different things that you know i have a tendency to blind myself to it. wow that's really good you know that's one of the things i really appreciate about your journey uh, you and your whole family is that you really do this together in a co-laboring mode with god and really leaning in on this together and working with god not just for god and uh, it's really inspiring and i think that's what keeps you guys uh, moving forward and healthy and solid it's really inspirational I, my heart is that other folks with vision and uh, workplace interests for the kingdom and redemptive entrepreneurial ideas would really grasp this because this is really, I think, a key to success. So I think you guys are a great living example of that, and it's it's inspirational. So uh, yeah, thanks, Matt, for the update and weighing in and adding value to this audience. Uh, we'll look forward to catching up next time around and getting the next updates. Is anything big coming up on the horizon that you uh, are looking towards that people can be praying for? Um, yeah, just, uh, let's see. Um, I mean, we're doing a water test, a quality test, just to make sure the water is not, um, have, doesn't have any contaminants significantly in it. Right. Um, so, cause if there are, we would have to treat it, you know, at least to some extent. And so, um, yeah, people can just be praying that the water is pure. You know, we've, seen several boreholes in the area have pure water at deep levels like this and so we're just praying that this water is also pure so that people can just have great clean water out of the ground we'll get another interview and we will uh, hear the latest and greatest of the uganda startup but thanks for your time awesome. Matt. appreciate great. it great yeah thanks Jonathan. thank you for listening to the metron manager podcast presented by jonathan nowlin and the metron manager project Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.